We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Money Matters podcast. I'm Danny Hewson. And I'm Laura Suter. And so today we're going to be talking about why so many women find finance confusing. Money's a weird one. I feel like it's like a taboo subject that you're not supposed to discuss with other people. Like you shouldn't really discuss how much you're earning or whatever, which I get that. But then I feel like that's just kind of gone across the whole of everything to do with money, whereas it would be quite useful to have conversations with people. And we're going to be getting some tips from a teacher who's passionate about helping all of us get to grips with our personal finance. They don't really feel equipped to deal with money. It's it's almost something that society expects people to understand it, but actually you're not taught it. So people come and think, okay, it's student loan, I'm getting an interest. Is it is it 3.5? Is that RPI interest? Is that good? They, they're throwing these terms about, but no one's taught them. Laura, what's really nice is actually recording this podcast in person with you in London. Yeah, we're back it together. It feels like so long. It's nice. We've got biscuits. Yeah, we're all ready to go. And we've got tea. What more could we want? What more could we want? Well, I tell you what, a bit more money is certainly something that most of us would like. And one in five women, and I I really couldn't believe this stat, but one in five women says that a lack of understanding is the reason that they're not getting to grips with their money. And many women just feel embarrassed that they don't understand the basics of finance. And because they're embarrassed, they don't feel they can ask the questions. Yeah, and if you're not asking those questions, then you're not going to be able to get the answers that you need to make the most of your money. And so that's whether it comes to big things like pensions or understanding the stock market or just smaller things like how interest rates work on credit cards or what tax rate you should be paying. It is complicated and it starts really early. Personal finance still isn't taught in schools and and lots of parents don't feel confident themselves Boys have traditionally done better. Maths, now, that's changed over the last couple of years, which is really interesting. But later in the podcast, I'm going to be talking to Bobby Siegel, who's a teacher who thinks that everyone can love maths and also presents a personal finance course for young adults on the Open University. But before that, I have been chatting to two students. So I've been talking to Chloe O'Connor and Izzy Fry, who are university students at Sheffield. And we've been talking about how they managed that move from being um, living at home to having to manage their own bills and their own money uh, when they went off to university. So how financially prepared did you feel when you started university and started kind of taking control of your finances for yourself? So Izzy, let's start with you. Um, I didn't feel very prepared at all. I felt at school they didn't, they told us about getting student loans and applying for student loans, but they didn't really talk to us about the amount of debt that you accumulate. They didn't talk to us about how you end up paying it off. I had researched that myself to find out how that works and like the threshold and everything. I don't really think at school I was taught a lot about finances or anything at all. So I felt like I had to kind of go out and do my own research and then it's quite hard because you have to kind of get through all the jargon and figure out just what's actually happening. And Chloe, did you have the same thing? I do agree with Izzy that in school we weren't taught much so I didn't feel like I was prepared um, during the summer leading up to my undergraduate but during this time I did a lot of research off my own back which I do think should have been taught to me in high school and through college. 
but I did eventually think that I was rather prepared after researching a lot and it did take hours and hours and hours and a lot of trial and error as well so literally just like examining all of my different um statements and different banks that you can go with it is rather um tedious to do and can be quite overwhelming for someone so young i do think there needs to be a lot more education regarding like managing and is it something you guys kind of chat about with friends and and they share those experiences as well i don't really think i talk about it with my friends a lot i remember us talking about student loans and like obviously there are different um different boundaries so some people get a lower student loan some people get a higher student loan I remember talking about that and how that worked and when we got the student bank accounts we kind of started to talk about like overdrafts because that was something we'd never had and then we were suddenly offered quite a large overdraft but I don't think we really spoke about it with personally with my friends I think we all kind of did our own research because you don't know whether people know more than you know and you don't I don't think you want to come across as like silly like you shouldn't be asking questions like this you should I feel like something that like you're expected just to know yeah I felt with it depends with what friends so that I have friends who are supported through mum and dad much more than my other friends but with um, one of my friends she's uh, my best friend she was going to open her overdraft but she explained to me how she has like a family history of people who can't manage credit cards or have any idea and finance so I just kind of spoke to her but other than like my really closest friends I wouldn't necessarily try to educate someone on how to manage their finances just because I can feel like it's not my place it should be like a parent's place or a teacher's place and I don't necessarily know if what I'm doing is the best. And so did your parents talk to you about money growing up whether that was their own money or kind of teaching you things you should be thinking about is it did they do that? Yeah, so I think from a young age, like I was encouraged to get a part time job just to learn kind of like how to save your own money and uh, learn the importance of like buying your own things and then like the responsibility that comes with that. And we definitely spoke about like savings a lot and saving up money. And we would put if birthday money into savings accounts. So I've had a savings account since I was quite young. But I think that's probably the only thing we really spoke about was savings, not really like credit cards or overdrafts or like mortgages or anything like that it was kind of like savings from a young age and then now as I've started to get older I I I think only recently I asked about like credit scores and stuff like that Uh, so it's only I'm 21 so it's only recently just started coming up. And Chloe did you are those the kind of conversations you had with your parents? Um Not really, no. I was not fortunate to have like savings accounts or any advice on mortgages or I'm from a really low income background um, and now being exchanged as well. It's um, been really difficult to try and find people who would advise me on these things. But after trawling the internet, I only then when I was 18, I then started looking at my credit score and started looking at mortgages and things like this. Um, so since I've been 18, I've been kind of monitoring all my reports, got up my credit report, like a, a excellent and stuff. And it's been really, really difficult because there's it doesn't, I just feel like there was no avenue to speak to anyone about how to kind of set up a future for yourself and how, to, how mortgages even work. And online can be very, very confusing. But no, I didn't really receive any kind of input from a family point of view. And I think you're so right. If you're trying to teach yourself about this stuff, it's 
knowing what the trusted sources are versus um, what's kind of putting out myths. And it's also a lot of the formal help that you might get, you might have to pay for, um, and you might not be in a situation where you can pay for that. Um, but when you started taking control of your of your own finances, Chloe, um, what was the biggest kind of shock to you or the biggest discovery that you made? Oh, <laughs> I went through about three months worth of bank statements with a highlighter of um, all the taxis, the takeouts, the clothes, just miscellaneous things that I didn't really need to purchase. And it, the, the sum was huge. It was something like £370. And I was like, oh, I thought I was struggling to pay my rent. And, and I went. I was actually just getting taxis when I could be getting the bus. I was buying £30 dresses rather than going to an outlet or a charity shop and getting it for like £3. And it's just a big shock. So that was the biggest step for me. That's when I then made it like a target every month to be I've got to get this number down I've got to set like a weekly budget I've got to stick to it and I need to be a bit more savvy with like going out for meals look on uni days or look for a promotion go for the lunch offers rather than forking out 50 pounds a go (laughs) and how about you Izzy the biggest shock um I think my biggest shock only really came recently because during my undergrad I I obviously had my student loan I was quite lucky to get like quite a big loan so I didn't really feel too much of a stress about money but during my master's there's definitely a lot less funding so I've definitely had to the same as Chloe go back through and look at all the stuff that I was just spend every coffee every like it's just small stuff like a little snack that you buy on your way to the library or all of this it's all those small things that you don't realize add up so much and when you've thrown in with the responsibility of having to pay for rent and having to pay for bills and all of this stuff that's quite adult and you've never really done you have to really evaluate like all the little things that you're spending your money on and just try and find those ways to save as much as you can sounds like you guys are much more financially savvier students than I was (laughs) (laughs) um but what one area do do you wish you'd been taught about either at school or by your parents is there one kind of area where you felt like you had a big gap in your knowledge or would have really helped you to to know about it Izzy I think like managing money so like, I knew that I could put money into a savings but quite often when I had my savings when I was younger it was money that I couldn't touch so like that was put away till I was like I think 18 when that was like unlocked even though it was my money going into it I wasn't allowed to touch it so it's kind of outside out of mind now I have this money like my student loan put into my bank account and I work quite a lot so a lot of money that suddenly you have at quite like a young age like at 18 you get given thousands of pounds just to kind of spend on whatever you want you think and I think just managing the money learning maybe how to budget for like a month or for a term of uni you know how much you need to spend on food shopping how much you actually need to spend on clothes and stuff like that I think if I knew more about how to budget my money appropriately that probably would have been quite helpful before uni yeah you're so right because uni everyone tends to think of as this cash strap time but actually it's the first time you've been in control of your own money fully in terms of paying bills paying rent but also all the fun stuff as well um Chloe did you find similar thing um yeah and just um like interest rates for like when you open up a bank account and there's an overdraft I know some people didn't pay their overdrafts back and had like a few thousand and then it's not zero percent interest all your life if you don't get it paid in a couple of years that really racks up to 
large lump sum of money. So I do believe people should be educated on the interest of those bank accounts for afterwards. Because we get quite a big overdraft as students with a 0% interest rate on, which I think like I know a lot of people that go into the overdraft every term and then just their student loan gets them back out of it. I think that you fall into like, you've relaxed about it and you just think that's normal and there's always going to be something to get you out of it and then you get thrown into the real world where your student loan doesn't get you out of it every time yeah definitely and and how how prepared do you guys feel going into the next stage of your life so um you're not going to be at university forever so you'll be going out getting jobs and um dealing with a whole new range of financial problems so chloe how do you feel about that stage do you feel prepared um, I feel prepared in a sense. I feel like I've managed my money well enough to have a comfort blanket. But I do think it's going to be a little bit of a shock coming out of uni and starting on such a low wage because most people at graduate jobs, they, it's only something like 18000 like to twenty one if you're lucky. And I feel like when you then go into the real world and there's things like council tax and higher national insurance and all the bills that we didn't think of. So I have all inclusive bills because I'm a student. But the price of like water and gas, electrics and just like Sky, if you want to watch TV and Internet and stuff, I feel like it's going to be a really, really big shock that I don't think I'm actually prepared for. How about you, Izzy? Yeah, I agree with like, so I have all inclusive bills as well. So it's not really something I have to think about. And we've been talking a lot about like the fuel crisis at the moment and the rising of like the gas price and everything. And are people worried about warming, like warming their houses? It's just something I've never really thought about, like having to worry about like having heating because like when you're younger, your parents pay for your bills. And then when you're, when you're in student housing, they're normally all included. So I think that's really made me think about like leaving uni and just not having all those little things in place that help you. You don't realize even once you've left, you think you're living this independent life. There's quite a lot of structure that they put into like uni students' lifestyles. I definitely remember that with leaving uni. I think my biggest shock was how much water costs. I mean, I know it's obviously <laughs> essential, but I was like, how can this cost this much a month? And when you add it all up together, it's, yeah, it was a little bit horrifying on a graduate <laughs> salary that didn't pay very much. And so we started by talking about um, whether you talk to your friends about money. Do you think that it would help if if you were more open with your friends about money and they were with you and you could... Um, share information but also maybe some war stories or ask questions of each other do you think that would help or do you think that that would be it wouldn't wouldn't really be helpful to you in comparison to asking parents or teachers or looking online yourself Chloe what do you think I think it really depends just because especially if you're um specifically targeting uni students some people get like a nine thousand pound loan and other people get like three I think it's really hard to kind of communicate with each other and offer advice when one person could say oh I have 50 pounds a week for food and another person is oh I only have 20 but my mum and dad will cover some of it and I think it's really hard because then you compare yourself to others and it can be quite overwhelming I'm experiencing this at the moment just because I'm surrounded by a few people who have um, the comfort of mum and uh, family and they're like kind of paying their rent, paying for their food. And I know then me and a few other friends are all working over the weekends and trying to just manage everything. I think it can be overwhelming to see how other people live. So I feel like it can be a bit of a double-edged sword. How about you, Izzy? 
Yeah, I think it's money's a weird one. I feel like it's like a taboo subject that you're not supposed to discuss with other people. Like you shouldn't really discuss how much you're earning or whatever, which I get that. But then I feel like that's just kind of gone across the whole of everything to do with money. Whereas it would be quite useful to have conversations with people my age about it and see, you know, just so you feel like you're not the only one going through this and not the only one who it feels like they're struggling a bit but I, I agree with Chloe like when you come to uni there's quite a lot of people who are in different positions financially and it can be it can become a little bit awkward maybe if you do want to discuss it just because you don't know the position people are in with the amount of help they have from student finance or parents or whatever their situation is so I feel like I'm quite close to my friends so I feel like I probably could breach a conversation with them and it could you know we could discuss it but I just feel like it's a bit taboo and it's a bit like you shouldn't bring it up (laughs) yeah it is weird and it's weird that that persists at all ages and all stages of life as well um it's not necessarily uh starting out in life not got lots of experience with it and maybe not got lots of money that just seems to persist through generations which is very odd and would be much better for all of us if it wasn't the case (laughs) Um, but thanks so much you guys thanks I really appreciate you sharing um, everything today and um, yeah thank you thank you thanks now Laura most of us can relate to Chloe and Izzy um, no matter where we are in our financial journeys because at some point I think we've all felt embarrassed about our lack of knowledge you know wish that we'd known more and someone who's been working on changing that for years is maths teacher extraordinaire Bobby Siegel Um, Just listening to Chloe and Izzy, I would imagine that you hear that all the time, that that money is, it's embarrassing sometimes not to know the really simple stuff, the straightforward stuff that we think we should know, but how do we know when we've not been taught? Yeah, I think with money, it's something where people just avoid discussing at all costs. Again, as a school teacher, on Friday, when the kids have gone, three o'clock, the bell's out, you planned your Monday lesson, often we go to the pub and we'll chat about what's been on the telly, what's on Netflix. In fact, people are chatting about Squid Game. Uh, they're talking about friendships, maybe, you know, that gossip about relationships and um, house repairs, holidays. But when it comes to money, people really shy away, even at the cost of things. It's just a strange cultural phenomenon where we're comfortable discussing the sort of inner details of our relationships and, uh, and yet, actually, when it comes to money, people just really shy away. And actually, as someone that, say, again, before uh, I sort of became a publicly renowned uh, educator, I was on University Challenge. So I always loved looking up the, the etymology of words. Um, so actually, for the word, the taboo is the key word here. Money is a big taboo. So James Cook, the explorer, I think about uh, 1770s, he visited the Pacific Islands and he went to the island of Tonga. And in Tonga, they have a word called tapu, tapu. And what that means is anything that's forbidden to be eaten or made use of. And then hence came our word taboo, from tapu. So things that are forbidden, things that are almost like off topic. And money feels like it's one of those things that people, even within families, households, even couples, husbands and wives, but partners, they just, when it comes to money, people are like, oh, it'll, it'll deal with itself. It'll sort itself out. As long as people are not booted out of their house or the bank's not like coming to foreclose their house, people just sort of ignore money. It's really easy to, to stick your head in the sand, particularly if you're worried about something, not to face up to it. 
And when you're a kid and you may be going off to university for the first time or you're starting work for the first time, where do you go to to get that advice? Because I know I've got two teenage girls and I'm fairly financially savvy, as you would expect, mm -hmm. doing what I do. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's still tricky to have those conversations. Yeah, it's it's a challenging area because I'm still doing my, my doctorate part time at Cambridge. And I see some of the students at 18, 19, 20 embarking on university, getting their first loans, paying for rent, trying to buy their books, items, etc. And the reality is there's when they join, let's say, university or the world of work at 18, 19, they don't really feel equipped to deal with money. It's, it's almost something that society expects people to understand it, but actually you're not taught it. So people come and think, okay, it's student loan, I'm getting an interest. Is it is it 3.5? Is that RPI interest? Is that good? They, they're throwing these terms about, but no one's taught them. It's not like, okay, as a maths teacher, if, if someone is taught uh, in the real world saying, work out this using Pythagoras theorem, the, a right angle triangle, people might have forgotten it, but at least you've done Pythagoras theorem once. But with money mathematics and money finance, it's, it's a weird thing where society expects people to be able to do it, but no one really prepared to teach them. After doing homeschool and Pythagoras theorem <laughs> during lockdown, yeah, I've had a bit of a refresher course. But what tips would you give to either parents or kids going off to university or kids starting work mm. and to women? Because it's still a huge hurdle for women to overcome. I mean, you know, a fifth of women say that they don't invest the amount that they think that they should, they don't get engaged with all of that because they don't understand it. So what tips would you give mm. everybody? The first thing, maybe I'll address the issue about women because there was a report, I think by Hewlett Packard about seven, eight years back. And there was a stat where they said, men apply for a job when they only meet 60% of the qualifications, whereas women only apply if they meet 100%. And that's been sort of used requoted and there was a book by um two ladies called Katie Kay and Claire Shipman and it's called The Confidence Code The Science and Art of Self-Assurance What Women Should Know and ultimately it boils down to this that again it's not because of genetics but it's more cultural and again I see this in my classroom men tend to overestimate their abilities women underestimate and then when men again there's a generalization it's not always true but and when men don't succeed they'll often attribute their failures to external conditions, whereas women will internalize it, say it's their own fault. And I see this in my own maths class, where two students of equal ability, a boy and a girl, if the boy makes a mistake, he'll put his hand up and say, oh, I, oh it's fine. And he'll, five minutes later, put his hand up again. Whereas the girl, they'll make a mistake and like, ah, be silent for the rest of the lesson. And again, it's not because we're born that way, but I think, again, society conditions, and it's getting, the thing is, people are now addressing this. People are not accepting, oh, just because society has done things for hundreds of years, we're changing it. But I think it takes time to change that sort of almost like cultural expectation. Because historically, 70s, 80s, 90s, men would have been the breadwinners in the house. So therefore they're in charge of the finances. But now because the way society is changing, women are becoming breadwinners as much as men. So I think we're changing that culturally. Um, but again, what, what can parents do? I think it's, again, with children, starting them very young, most parents will take their children shopping. It can be a headache. Again, when I'm out shopping, sometimes you see the, the kids there sitting on their trolley and being really annoying. And I, God, I become one of those people that are like, oh, no, there are children here. I'll avoid them. But 
But when parents are with children, that's a brilliant chance to financial education because they're out shopping, you're looking at your household budget. You can have little conversations. Oh, we've, we've got a £50 budget this week. And the kids will say, I want to buy 50 packs of Frosties. Frosties are A, bad for your teeth and can be quite expensive unless they're priced at discount. So you can have these money conversations with children at uh, an early stage. And I think like when we're talking about, Danny, the taboo, taboos when things are off topic. Again, we obviously need to address it with adults who are already adults, but with children, making it part of their everyday conversation from early on. So if they want to buy an Xbox or a PlayStation, the money, again, money doesn't grow on a magic money tree. It has to has to, has to grow somewhere, you know, incomes, parents' savings. So having this conversation with children at an early stage means that when they become adults, it's not, yeah, it's not a taboo topic. And it's interesting what you were saying about, you know, men used to be the breadwinner mm. and now women are more so than they ever were. But even when men were the breadwinners, and I'm thinking particularly about my husband's um, parents now, he Mm. was the breadwinner, but she did the budgeting. And I think a lot of women don't quite understand that they've got the skills, they run the house, they do the shop, they figure out how far the money is going to stretch. And, And that is basically where you need to start from. That literally is, again, budgeting. There's a, I love this quote from uh, David Copperfield, Charles Dickens' book, and it's called The Mr. Micawber Principle. And it says, annual income, £20. Annual expenditure, £19. That's happiness. You've got a surplus. But annual income, £20. Annual expenditure, £20. And six is misery. And that's the basic of expenditure and household budgets. If you can manage to have your income above your expenditure, then you're fine. If it's if, it, if it's the other way around, then you either have to borrow or you're in significant difficulty. And people that manage household finances, they're almost like being like a, a chancellor of the exchequer for you know for, for for the country, but they're being chancellor of their own domestic situation. So everyone that manages a household budget. You know, Rishi Sunak, step aside. You've got people that are managing much more complicated things domestically. So people, again, it's that confidence issue where men historically have overestimated their confidence and abilities. Whereas women, if you're managing my mother, again, she doesn't see herself as someone that understands money. But actually, my mom, for years, she would manage, you know, for four children, managing our uh, budgets, you know, how we spend money on holidays, how we spend money on food. Um, you know what, where to buy our, uh, our clothes for school. So these are all important budgeting items that people often discount as, oh, it's menial skills, but they are the skills of finance. Do you think that sometimes language is a huge barrier? Because uh, I know that you hear terms like interest rates, RPI, CPI. Mm. You start thinking about pensions and then you hear about SIPs, you hear about ISAs and all that different terminology sometimes is more of a, a barrier than anything. I think language, as with many things, can intimidate people. Um, again, part of my research in my doctorate, again, I'll draw the analogies about maths anxiety. And that's that negative emotion response people f- feel when they encounter maths. And again, for school children, it can be either doing, let's say, a long division problem or adults in the real world, if you give the restaurant bill, even myself, if it comes to my way at a, at a meal, I'm like, oh God, am I going to get it wrong? Um, but I think with terminology, people, there's almost like a different like terminology anxiety. People understand, they look at their payslip, they understand things are going in, things are coming out. But when they're looking at things like pensions, savings, and they see all these acronyms, that can really intimidate them. And I think... 
whose responsibility responsibility is it to overcome that? I think it's a two way. The industry needs to play a part in making sure there's really good messaging out there. And again, things like using Instagram, even TikTok, find where your consumers are and create the the, the messaging there. Um, and but secondly, also the, if you're the consumer now, there are lots of things out there to help understand. Again, I've done stuff for the Open University, a course for, for young adults managing their money. Lots of amazing things. Martin Lewis does stuff. AJ Bell obviously does amazing uh, work as well with their podcast. So there are there are ways for people to learn about money. So it's a combination. You need to always meet in the two way. The, the industry needs to, to, to be more transparent and they are making more efforts now. But also consumers, you've got to go and grab the opportunities, the education, because there is so many amazing things, podcasts, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. There are ways of educating yourself. So if there was one thing that anyone listening to this podcast today, if there's one thing that you could tell them to help them get to grips with their finance, to build their confidence, what would it be? So actually, one thing is something that I... Uh, mentioned to my FT money editor, Claire Barrett. She's an amazing woman, uh, really inspiring. And she's asked a few years ago, she's asking, Bobby, what one advice would you give for people in the new year? And I created this on the spot, but now I use it most weeks. So something called a golden hour. So one, it ends up being golden 15 minutes. But every every week, I will now go and check my my statements. So my online banking, I'll check my pay slips equivalent, I'll check any income for work, any expenditures. So literally 15 minutes, I'll put on some good jazz music, get a nice cup of lemon and ginger tea. And it will be, it's, and again, it's that, it's that weekly ritual. Whenever you're, it is weekly or, or fortnightly, I think with money, it's not something that once a year when the, you know, when you're meant to submit your tax returns or when you've got a big bill to pay, that's when you resolve it. It has to be a regular ritual. And again, if you're doing it regularly, 10, 15 minutes a week, whatever it is, or an hour if you've got the time, over time, that makes a huge impact. And again, it's because of compounding. Compounding is not just with money and compound interest, but in your own habits. If you can have that compound habit of every week spending 10, 15 minutes looking at your finances, over time, that that becomes a huge avalanche and actually can change your life. Bobby, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure, Danny. Now, I've got two teenage daughters and I had to homeschool them during lockdown and I am now trying to trying to teach them a little bit about life and, yes, money. So I have been frantically jotting down some of those tips that Bobby has given us. But Laura, I know that you spend every day looking at how life changes people's money and I know that the next few months, well, it's going to be really tough. Yeah, and I feel like I constantly talk about doomy things and (laughs) negative things, but the next few months are going to be quite tough. Um, We're seeing a lot of price rises, whether that's at the petrol pump, which I'm sure we've all seen recently, or food prices in the supermarket, or energy bills, which obviously have been all over the headlines at the moment. And I think for a lot of families, this winter is going to be really tough, particularly those families that are coming off the back of furlough or maybe um, income dropping during lockdown. Um, So I think we're going to see a lot of families really having to do some of those basic and slightly boring things like budgeting, working out where they can make cutbacks um, and looking at what they can really afford this winter, um, which is going to be quite tough, but they are essential things that, that people need to do. And really simple. Sometimes it's just writing out what you've got going out, what you've got coming in and, and figuring how those two numbers can work together. Yeah. And I think people often 
put off doing that because it seems a it seems a bit boring not a fun way to spend an evening but also I think sometimes people are a bit scared of the results of that but it's much better to find that out now than find it out in three or six months time when when you're really tight on money well look we want you to join the conversation do get in touch at any time with a comment or a question or or maybe just a subject you want us to tackle yeah definitely and subscribe and review so that you can keep coming back and seeing future episodes thanks for listening Thanks. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.